Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You're listening to the first and only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Hear from independent pharmacy owners, leading entrepreneurs, political strategists, healthcare technology trends, career coaching, interviews about our pharmacy industry, and more. Be sure to subscribe to the show via iTunes and leave us a voice comment from our contact section on the website. You can find all of our episodes at PharmacyPodcast.com. Hey there, Pharmacy Podcast listeners. This is Todd Uri with the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Exciting times here at the podcast land. We are at Hymns 2017. This is the wrap-up summary show. And I have my trusty colleague and co-host, Dr. Aaron Albert here. Todd, great to be here. And Kristen Eilenberg. Yes, fabulous to be here, Todd. So, first of all, for those that don't know, Kristen, just quickly give us a little background in why you're here specifically at this gargantuan conference with over 40,000 attendees and uh, the relevance to that because you have a personal interest in this and a professional interest in this. So give us some background on what is Load Score. Sure. Uh, so Load Score is a conference tracking system that helps businesses figure out what conferences and trade shows they should be at that's going to get them in front of their customers and really deliver an ROI. And, um, from a business standpoint, many companies are making million-dollar decisions about their placement here at Hims. And they're kind of scratching their head saying, is that the right amount of investment that I should be making here versus what are my other options? And Load Score helps them be more efficient in making those decisions, helping deploy those resources, and then from a competitive intelligence standpoint and customer segmentation and customer customer prospecting standpoint, use real data to make sure that they're making the right decisions to get in front of their customers as well as um, make sure that they're tracking what their competitors are doing because ultimately that might be what influences the market and their ability to access new customers. It really makes sense. Um, when I heard about you through Aaron and met you through LinkedIn through Aaron, um, it's been interesting to read up on the relevance of load score and how that can play back to the ROI of going to these conferences. And this conference to me has been very overwhelming, but it's been just based on my lack of time to really structure where I wanted to go with enough time. But if you properly prepare yourself for this conference, it's a plethora of information in injecting ideas and innovation into your company and different things that you're trying to do. We're pretty segmented to obviously the uh, world of pharmacy. Health system pharmacists should be here in my opinion. Those are the pharmacy IT directors that are part of hospital systems, specialty pharmacies, compounding pharmacies, micro chains, and definitely national chains. Um, it would be good to be here because you will have much more insight into the organizations that are really collecting information from you, such as the electronic health records, the analytics companies. But there's just so much here. It's just, like I said, it's a little overwhelming. Um, with as many people. By the way, in the show notes, you're going to see a link to Aaron's show that she did with Mandy Bishop and Aaron um, and Kristen Eilenberg based on the pre-show kind of, kind of set up just in case you want some reference to the deeper discussion of what Load Score was and is. Aaron Albert, well, it's been awesome that we've uh, we you've been a uh, uh, a hymns version. You actually said that a couple of times. I've been deflowered. You've been deflowered. Yes. <laughs> so as you're sitting there smoking your cigarette, 
how how has Hims 2017 been for you, first timer? Well, you know, I was I was really awestruck first and foremost by the exhibit hall, and I, I hope we're going to have a conversation about that as well. Mm-hmm. Because what what really struck me, I think, which was interesting, is there's so much education going on on the actual exhibit floor, and that's unusual because I typically go to pharmacy meetings or places where you have to have structured educational activities, and here. It's almost like some of the most cutting-edge stuff was on the exhibit floor. Kristen, did you notice yeah. that? So that's been a big transition for the Hims conference experience in and of itself. You know, a few years ago, there really wasn't that many theaters on the exhibit floor. And when we got here earlier this week, and I saw all of the exhibit floors, and I saw the way that they were placed so that it was driving traffic past many of the sponsors and smaller booths, quite honestly, the startups and those kinds of things. And then to see that those, you know, cutting edge innovators that were getting up on the podium and talking about the things that they were doing were pulling people into the exhibit floor. I thought it was fantastic Um, because a lot of people are spending money for those booth placements. And the primary reason why they're here is to get in front of their customers and to convert that to future revenue. So by having those educational experiences on the floor, you are potentially bringing those customers past your booths, and then also the exhibitors are getting the opportunity to educate more about their products and services that they can provide to these health systems, to the pharmacists, to all the different potential purchasers of these types of solutions. So I think it's phenomenal that HIMSS has done this not just because the education, I mean, they've always had a decent educational program as part of HIMSS, but by bringing it to the exhibit floor and driving foot traffic past the booths and to the people who are really hoping that HIMSS is going to be the place that it changes their business, I thought it's a, a really good thing. The other thing that I think is really interesting about um, some of the things that they've done to the exhibit floor over the years is they've evolved where food and coffee is. <laughs> yeah. And I know I know that that might not seem like a big deal, but the more that you put amenities within the floor itself, it keeps people on the floor versus having to go outside to get food and drink exactly. and those kinds of things. Exactly. And so you're keeping people and giving them options in the floor and then as well as some of the booths have seating. Yeah. So you can go and sit in a booth, and that might give yep. you an opportunity to meet more leads if you're one of those booths that have a few chairs and there's it's near a food stand. So I think there's a lot of things that are going um, that are happening on the design of the exhibit floor and how they're doing things differently. But um, education in the booth and bringing people in to learn. Um, I think is a phenomenal shift in the way that they've been running the show over the last few years. And back to your earlier point, Todd, one of the things I was also kind of perplexed by a little bit, I think, was the tremendous opportunity that pharmacy still has at this event, even though there were 41,000-plus attendees. (laughs) Exactly. They have, you know, breakouts and special interest groups for physicians and nurses within HIMSS, However, I really didn't see a whole lot with pharmacy specifically. And now with technology being what it is, I think it's a tremendous opportunity. So I had a conversation with Carrie McLean. Um, she is HIMS uh, Senior Director of Audience Development. And I've corresponded with Carrie here for probably three years on LinkedIn. And uh, Carrie and I will be doing a follow-up and talking about uh, re- redeveloping their pharmacy intensive engagement and possibly having something at HIMSS 2018 that is pharmacy specific or pharmacist specific or centric 
And the reason is, is uh, Carrie was sharing with me at one time they did, but it just kind of like dissipated into the winds of healthcare IT evolution. And But there's, with everything that's happening with population health, mm-hmm. data analytics, the leveraging of that, uh, you, you, we all know sitting here uh, the intensity of that in the pharmacy space and pharmacist space and medication therapy management and pharmacogenomics and all of those things that are happening at the pharmacy level. So, Carrie, shout out to you. I will be reaching out to you to follow up with that for Tim's 2018. I think it would be great. And one area that I did walk through, which was University Row, there were a handful, maybe a dozen, 15-ish programs here in informatics. When I asked the, the people manning those booths specifically, do you have pharmacists enrolled in your program? programs, they would say, oh, definitely, we do, but, and it was also interesting from a academic perspective that some of the programs are grown from nursing programs, some from medical schools, some from business schools, so it's kind of all over the place, but they definitely do recognize that many pharmacists are enhancing their careers through more education in informatics. What was surprising to me was, um, for all of the talk about engaging the patient. Um, this year's floor, I didn't see as many vendors using that. It was truly a pop health conversation across the entire exhibit floor and a lot of conversations around AI. So it, I think that probably if you know, we're thinking of 2018, the engagement of the patient, especially for pharmacists, and with reimbursement being questioned and all of those kinds of things, there's this really interesting opportunity to bring those kinds of technologies together to create efficiencies as well as better patient outcomes because ultimately that's you know, hopefully what we're all trying to do is figure out how can we make this a higher efficient uh, program and set of experiences for patients right. so that they get better faster. Yep. Well, and even um, and further they're, and they're from on the that, right, and they're on the right drugs. Even further from that. that, I think patient empowerment conversations started happening this year. I yep. heard that as kind of a stream that, yeah, if you have a patient in a certain disease state, they have so much knowledge to share, mm. and to empower them to be able to have those conversations meaningfully with other organizations in order to improve the experience for other patients, I think, is a huge deal. Right, and the whole—I mean, they are the experts. They're living right. this every single day of their life. And, you know, when you think of pharmacy, you think of patient adherence. And we all know what the stats look like for patient adherence. Um, getting patients to continuously take their drugs, especially when they have chronic conditions, it's not an easy feat. It's still it's still like so the black hole. 2015 hymns. Um, I met a woman named Carly Modesh. Carly is now an employee of CMS. She's a program analyst. And Carly and I, she was um, a guest of a vendor, I can't remember which one, and she was patient engagement, meaning she was a patient. She suffers with a chronic disease, she blogs about it and talks about it, and so um, she was sharing what it's like to be a patient. So here's the thing, how many vendors, Kristen, would you say are here in the floor? 1,300? Yeah, there's 1,300. Okay, so you have 1,300 vendors, right? How many people of that 40,000 are part of that 1,300? Half or a third? Um, Well, the way that we figure out the statistics on that is it's probably two-thirds are actually vendors of that 42,000 number. Okay, and that's fine. They even save half. So if I have half, if I took the 1,300, let's say 300, and of that 300, I take 30, if I could find 30 patients that are actually part of those vendors to all meet up, 
and talk as patients that just so happened to also be vendors and and really start to go around the other uh, places and intermingle and understand and give their testimony as patients suffering with whatever there is testimony built into the conference attendees that just so happen to probably be exhibitors too right. so you don't have to bring in patients from well you there's know, you know there, there, there's a whole long unless you're biased yeah I mean <laughs> we're all patients yeah exactly right? so there's 42,000 patients, patients here that's true and I, and I have always uh, challenged the system of, you know, we shouldn't be bringing in patients because it's a single voice. But we all know that we learn from stories. And having somebody stand up and say, this is my experience, and be willing to share that. Because a lot of patients, even though we are patients, don't want to share True. share our stories because of privacy concerns and employment concerns, insurance access concerns, and right. all of these different kinds of factors. So the folks that are willing to say, I'm a patient and I have this condition and I want to try to figure out how to make the world a better place, um, we've got to give them kudos. And um, I think there's fewer of those individuals that are articulate quite honestly, okay. to be able to tell their story so that when it does come to the innovation and technologies and going all the way back into research and development for pharmaceutical companies, you have to have those stories that people go, this is my this is my calling. This is why I'm doing it. It's because Todd is dealing with these kinds of things and I want to help Todd. Right. And I mean, that's a branding marketing kind of thing, but it also creates internal passion. I worked for a pharmaceutical company for many, many years, and for a long time, our rally cry was the patient is waiting, and, and I felt that. Like, when I woke up every single day, it was like, I can't be stagnant. I can't just sit on my laurels. I have to do something because the patient is waiting. So we take, let's take everybody down that hasn't gone to HIMSS down to the exhibit floor for a second. So okay. I want to give a shout out to OmniCell. Very much appreciate them. Very intense to what is pharmacy technology automation in the field of health system pharmacy, but they trickle outside of that too. And they're trying to be as innovative as they can with some of their customer needs, meaning I've heard of OmniCell's team wanting to go beyond, but if they don't have a customer that needs what they want to build, then they don't just go build stuff that has to be customer-centric. So several of their customers I'll be releasing a podcast or have already released a podcast depending on when this was published um, about OmniCell and some of their feedback so I wanted to give once again a shout out to OmniCell. NCPDP showed up in the Experian Health booth which was kind of exciting to see them show up because they're very pharmacy intensive with the different standardizations and how data is passed between systems and adjudication and the whole buzzword that that is into so Leanne uh, Stember who's the president there I'll be reaching out to you probably for some follow-up podcasts Experian Health I mean kudos to that organization for having Joe Lavelle an Intrepid Now podcast embedded into their uh, booth that is so smart Aaron and I were talking about that Aaron and I were also part of that show Aaron give your testimony of being a podcaster live in in the environment at Experian Health. Yeah first and foremost I had the opportunity to co-host with Joe on their general counsel um, and she was lovely and really it was probably one of my favorite aspects of the entire meeting is because we had these thought leaders coming into the booth sharing their stories around hymns and healthcare IT and it was this constant kind of mix of people stopping by and the traffic was phenomenal and I learned probably just as much 
you know, co-hosting and talking to these thought leaders yes. as I did going to the educational session. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's interesting with people like Mandy Pro, Mandy Bishop, I'm calling her by her uh, Twitter handle. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't care, right? Right, Mandy? So uh, Mandy Bishop, uh, Dr. Nick, um, uh, Regina Holiday. I mean, goodness She's gracious, fabulous. just the rock stars of what is healthcare IT and healthcare in general. And what's fun is we do learn as co I learned so much about our industry by co-hosting and by being a part of and listening to the subject matter experts and our co-hosts are subject matter experts. But um, I want to encourage our listeners to get involved, even if it's even if it's reaching out to hymns with questions or getting on their LinkedIn chat forum board or something to start uh, breaking those walls down more so than what they are. And, um, you know, Connective RX, uh, Mr. Chris Baker gave me an overview of their mobile application and touching pharmacy. And First Data Bank has really evolved. I've been very impressed with their organization now being collective rather than just NDC centric. Now they're really starting to think about disease state management and chronic disease and specialty pharmacy and being a, a data giver and library producer of data that makes sense, that goes beyond just health system, because we seem to be sometimes stuck there. Um, you know, coming back to the EHR, which seems to be the kingpin at this event, there's just so many EHRs. Cerner has really impressed me. So Cerner bought Etraby. Etraby was a pharmacy management system specific to pharmacy, and they purchased that. And they rolled up a bunch of companies over the last three or, three or four years. And I thought that was going to be a mess. I mean, to tell you the truth, I was walking into the Cerner booth with a very explicit reason, wanted to talk to some people, and I thought it was going to be, well, we're not ready yet, and that interface isn't done, and that API isn't done, and, that, and it wasn't. It was the exact opposite. I am very impressed with such a big organization being able to roll up so many other small little companies and they're actually playing well, they're passing data and now as a customer you can subscribe to a mul multiple different components of what their enterprise is and being able to take advantage of that. So I will be following up with Cerner and Cerner you should come on the pharmacy podcast. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, Dr. Aaron Albert, I and the team uh, depending on whose schedule is where and what's happening, will be uh, attending different conferences. If you're a vendor, if you're a solutions provider, and you're listening to the show, and I'll be sending this to you, by the way, um, instead of the tchotchkes, instead of investing in silly stuff or contests, giving away iPads, I'm not saying that that stuff is is bad. However, if you embed the pharmacy podcast into your booth, I guarantee with preset appointments and preset interviews and interviews on the street, you're going to get a lot out of it. And what a fabulous, enduring material that you can provide to the A, the people that couldn't attend the conference, right. B, to the thought leaders themselves who are providing their valuable information and insight in a recorded way that yes. you know will last longer than just the conference itself. Well what's interesting is that when I've been speaking to the exhibitors and you know I'm I have a different kind of relationship with the folks that are on the floor. Right. Um, they a lot of them are getting more mature in their strategies on how they're managing their experiences, not just here at Hams but other shows. And giving out tchotchkes is not the way to go anymore. You've got to figure out how to differentiate yourself and bring in quality leads to your space that yes. you've invested in because it is a land grab right. for a certain number of days. And if you don't have the right people coming to you 
they're not going to walk past your booth serendipitously. They're just not. So you have to do something that distinguishes you from the others that are among 1,300 other exhibitors on this particular one. And there's a lot of big pharmacy shows, and there's smaller you know, specialty pharmacy shows too. Right. So even in those circumstances, you still need to find a differentiation factor. How do you get um, even the potential customers? So you've got your thought leaders there, and people say, oh, I know that so-and-so is going to be doing a pharmacy podcast in XYZ booth. Right. You, you'll bring in an audience of people. Yes, you will. Fans. That, I mean, it's kind of like what we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast of, you know, you put the educational uh, content in the theaters, in the exhibit floor, it brings people to the exhibit floor. Right. You can use that same exact strategy for bringing people to your booth. Exactly. And, and it's meaningful. And it's meaningful. It's, <laughs> it's that not a trash It's that kind of conversation that they want to have and part of the reason why they came to HIMSS or came come to any kind of conference or trade show. So I do think that it is a differentiation that people should consider now. It's not about giving out the squeeze balls or right. the um, coffee, which, if, if I may, that is one of the things that I do find really interesting for this particular show. There is less food being handed out than any other show that I've seen before um, from a him standpoint, and there's less tchotchkes being handed out. Um, so I do find that that's interesting. And then from your point on setting up the podcasts, the companies that I've talked to they know that hymns and their success at hymns at converting to revenue all depends on their pre-work. Yeah. So if you right. think that you're going to get a booth and put a few chairs in your booth and have a nice TV screen showing demos of your product or whatever it is, and you think that that is going to help you convert to revenue, you're wrong. Yeah, don't spend you your money. You will fail. You will fail. Right. And one other thing that Hims I, I thought did a really nice job with was their social media ambassador campaign. Yes. So they had what, 15, 20 social media yep. ambassadors. Now, they had to do a lot of homework, I'm sure, right. to get here, but um, I love that they had people that were focused on pushing the content, the really cool things that are happening at this happening all at once at this huge, you know, kind of overwhelming meeting. Yes. But if I could follow the ambassadors, you know, I could kind of streamline it a little bit, especially my being my first time. <laughs> so in trying to keep this under 25 minutes for our listener who may be commuting right now to work, which we very much appreciate you as listeners, we want feedback from you. If you would send us emails to uh, publisher at pharmacypodcast.com with any ideas or feedback about the show, tweet us at pharmacypodcast.com. Uh, Aaron L. Albert is your Twitter handle. Correct. At Aaron L. Albert. Um, give your uh, Twitter handle out as well. Sure, it's at K Eilenberg. That's K E I L E N B E R G. Very cool. So, anything else um, to wrap up, Aaron or Kristen? I loved it. It was fun. It was out of my world, out of my box a little bit, and I really enjoyed it. Hey, a shout out to Joyce uh, Lostrom. Thank you so much, Joyce, once again, for inviting us as press. We absolutely loved it. It was a great experience. It was definitely worth the investment of our time, and we hope that this uh, post-show has been um, a good reflection of the quality of what HIMSS presents to the healthcare IT uh, world that we all live in. It's part of our world. So with that, we thank you so much for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast, HIMSS 2017 Wrap-Up Show.